0: Welcome to the XTERRA Podcast. I'm Tom Patton. The XTERRA mission is to explore and discuss the business of space and its effect on the national and global economy as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? That's what we're exploring on the XTERRA website as well as on this podcast. My guest today is Elizabeth Marquis, author of the new book, Stellar Singularity, Navigating the Spacefaring Economy. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Tom. I'm delighted
0: to be here. That is a very interesting title, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But in your introduction, you relate a story about a family vacation in Spain, and you said everything had to become more interesting and possible because we understood the journey. And that theme runs throughout the book. So tell us that story, and how does it relate to space commerce?
1: Sure. So in the in the summer of twenty twenty two, so last summer, my family, you know, we took a trip to Spain, and uh, it was the first time we were visiting Spain. Now I speak four languages, but I don't speak Spanish, um, and you know, we have some familiarity with the culture living in New York City, but this was our first trip, right? Uh, and you know, I didn't really take get a Rosetta Stone uh, or a dictionary to to learn Spanish before the trip. Work was it was busy, um, but when we got there, you know, we obviously read up and you know learned about the history of the country. Um, I think what we found much like our journey through space, you know, traveling in a new location, uh, in, in a new physical or geographical context requires very different skills, a very different mindset, a different language. Um, and you know, I was in the middle of writing the book. So it, it really kind of uh, reinforced the uh, the idea that when we think about how we travel to the space economy, how we look at new space and all the implications of commercial space exploration. There are lots of parallels that uh, typically people who may not be thinking about space as a, as a landscape for commerce can identify with if they think about it as a journey to a new country, right, where you have to learn a language. Um, and, and what we found obviously that the journey, the the drive, we took a road trip um traveling to many different countries I write in the, you know, the cities as i write in the book um, but each of those cities really became more interesting because we knew what happened that we understood the history we understood the people who had been there before us and i think that's again very important for us to keep in mind as we think about the spacefaring economy because there are lots of parallels for our civilization where we've seen explorations you know go in different ways with different outcomes and we're at a different point in our you know evolution where we have to look at the spacefaring economy a little differently than we have in the past um, so that was kind of my lesson from um you know traveling to spain without knowing the language very well uh, but the more you learn um, and the more uh, identifiable the journey is i think the the more we can get out of the, the experience
0: but it's very interesting because i i traveled to europe last summer as well and um and, and we visited uh well, London where where you know people separated by a common language <laughs> right. and and but then into France and then on to Italy and I didn't know French or Italian um but it seemed like everybody there knew English does it make a difference that that the people that we're trying to talk to um, understand us even if we don't understand them when they fall into their jargon
1: I think it it does, and I think it really represents the level of effort that you know people are making, right? It's a it's a two way conversation, so um, I think over the years people are much more welcoming and friendly to tourists who may not know the language, but they do, you know treat you extra nice when you take the effort to learn a few words when you try to communicate in their language even if it's imperfectly and i think that also kind of represents um, the mindset we need to have as we explore new space and outer space um, you know we have to make that extra effort to understand uh, both from a goodwill perspective but also to you know experience the the music or the art or the literature or even just the, you know uh, a joke that just, just doesn't translate sometimes.
0: Uh, that's that's very true. We, we were in Switzerland, and when I was able to dig up a little of my high school German, uh, people actually thought I spoke the language, and they were they, they started speaking to me in German. It's wait a minute. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my confidence goes this far. <laughs> yeah, I, I just said, you've reached the extent of my high school German. And they, <laughs> they laughed, and, and we went on about our business. Uh, but back to the book, we're not, we're not here to talk about travel, unfortunately, although it's something apparently we both love. But, we're here to talk about space commerce and and in in the early stages of any industry focuses on the technology that's used to create a, a very uh, that very market but no market can develop or even exist without exploring and understanding the and exploiting the, the human needs concerns and consequences with all that and with all that preface you write that all companies are now space companies how so
1: Yes, I I do write that all companies will become space companies. Um, And to use a very simple analogy, I think that we've all lived through um, is is really one of the internet. Um, And I'll start there, you know, when we were back in the days in the 90s, you know, this is when I started my work uh, in the corporate world. uh, We had companies that were making marked distinctions between say, retail stores and, uh, you know, the internet, Commerce sections. Uh, your companies like Barnes and Noble, who had completely different organizations working on that. Um, eventually, I think as we understood the technology more and more, we realized that technology is really the enabler of commerce. It's the enabler of our economy. And there was an integration of the at the organizational level. There was an integration at the process level. And there was integration at the customer interface or the customer experience level. Uh, so that I think is a good example of how you know we might start out saying that hey, you know. Space or new space is something that's out there. Some companies need it. It's a whole different economy. We don't need to participate, but we're slowly starting to understand that convergence. So that every company that can be or needs to be will be successful. Will be the ones that actually harness the potential, the the utility that space can provide us, whether it's through satellites or through communications, whether it's through uh, identifying new sources for raw materials, right, through mining. Uh, So all of those aspects of what space can provide us through data and technology or what can is actually going to help companies be more successful going forward so i think that integration is inevitable Uh, everybody may not see it as yet but we are you know we're well on our way to seeing that
0: happen do people realize how much space touches their life every day
1: you know, I. That's a great question. I don't think people do, right? And that's the fascinating thing. Um, even let's take a company like Walmart, right? So lots of people go to Walmart, go to the store. Uh, but since 1987, Walmart, you know, Walmart actually in 1987 had the biggest network of private satellites. And a big part of why Walmart was so able to be, you know, so, so successful with managing inventory, managing their supply chain, tracking, you know, things at point of sale, but it was because they had this technology. They had sat- satellite private satellite system behind the scenes making all of that happen but that really wasn't visible most people actually don't know this right uh, mm-hmm. so we've been on that journey for a while most people don't understand how technology has enabled or how space technology has enabled our world the way we see it uh, people don't always realize that you know when you punch something into your gps as you're trying to get to a movie or, or a uh, you know or a play uh, the data is actually going all the way up uh, you know, into space, bouncing off a satellite, bouncing off a a, you know, a GPS satellite and coming back to you. right? So we're using space in so many ways that are, uh, I think, remain invisible to people,
0: and even in my business, I recall back in the days when USA today was first coming out, and the big innovation was is that all of the data was being delivered by satellite to a printer, which would then print the newspaper. And, and that's how they were able to get that kind of a national newspaper. And that was, Boy, I, I'm trying to remember when USA Today was founded, and it was many, it, it was a long time ago. <laughs> so it's it's been around for a long time.
1: That's right. That's right. Um, I think what we're seeing is um, you know t- two things. I think you know what's making it more visible is the increased commercial activity and uh, the increased um, you know I- I integration of the involvement of media. So we we know more. We hear more. Um, it's available uh, more you know, uh, the latency of information is much lower now. So I think that's some of the things that are actually impinging on our consciousness more. Um, And then, of course, you know, I do think that um, given some of the geopolitical considerations and what we're seeing from a global economy perspective, uh, those shifts are also making us more conscious of the the complexity of, you know, what lies ahead with the space landscape.
0: Now, you write that you see public-private partnerships as the future of the space economy. Why do you say that?
1: So one of the things that you know we've been observing is obviously you know we've seen this explosion of private space endeavor, um, and you know certain individuals have been very pivotal. um, And I'll you know Elon Musk is very pivotal in getting uh, the brand, getting the the news out on space exploration, and that's a good thing. It it benefits all of us. What we've seen historically is that you know when uh, governments when Public entities participate and um, engage in a collaborative fashion with private uh, enterprise. The outcomes are, you know, one, uh, they're more—I uh, wouldn't say equitable, but they're more uh, comprehensive in terms of, you know, how they impact or uh, enable more benefits to society as a whole. So that's, you know, one big reason why you know we think public-private partnerships for new space is a good thing. Um, and and it's very important to kind of keep in mind that we are also suggesting uh, and you're seeing that it you know having private enterprise drive and be fueled and be encouraged is a very important thing so you you know it's not that you want only for example, government space agencies, you want private enterprise, you want private enterprise to participate, to use technology, um, to push the envelope, to take some of those risks that a government might not be able to do. Uh, But when you look at the context of, you know, the impact of all of those things that we're doing, whether it's on the environment, on security, on cybersecurity, having, Public-private partnerships. Having that connection is extremely important. So, from a uh, even from a security and stability perspective, I think we have to kind of keep that in mind. So we are not back in the age of you know the East India Company, where you have unfettered commercial interests uh, being pursued without cognizance of you know the broader implications of what might happen
0: do you see that uh, do you make a distinction between a government investment in, or you know, like a government grant to a startup company and a true public private partnership or are they are they somewhat mon- uh, somewhat one and the same
1: i think it's a continuum of involvement right and we've seen that in the united states and nasa's done a you know phenomenal job with engaging private enterprise and some of that comes in you know by Uh, partnering with smaller companies or startups. Some of that comes by the the technology transfer approach that NASA's taken. Um, Some of it, you know, obviously comes through actual active partnerships with SpaceX or, you know, Boeing or Lockheed Martin. So I think that continuum of how public-private partnerships evolve uh, or how they uh, manifest themselves in a particular activity might vary based on the need and what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, But having that uh, having that active involvement in the sector, I think, is critical. Um, and you know, I, I don't want to bring up the, the recent. Well, and I'll go ahead and do it though. The recent events <laughs> around cryptocurrency, but you know, mm-hmm. lack of regulation or lack of uh, government involvement or, or regulatory involvement is is a problem in some situations. So you know, we 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 live and learn from uh, how different aspects of private enterprise have played out.
0: You talk about the singularity and spacefaring. What do you mean by that?
1: So singularity is, is a mathematical term, right? So okay. I'll begin there. And uh, uh, Maxwell, one of my favorite physicists, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, gosh, centuries ago, now at this point, really started talking about singularities from a mathematical perspective where, you know, you really, um, you, you see a point in time where the, the pre preceding events really do not or um, do not impact or define what comes ahead. So it's that point in time, it's that singularity, right? So things become dramatically different. And I use an example of, you know, breaking glass in, um, in my book, where you know, when you when a pebble or something hits a piece of glass, what happens after is, is kind of undefined we really don't know right it could be anything it could depend on the context was it a windshield was it a you know a, a glass of wine uh, which could mean that a car crashes or you know somebody's carpet gets stained right the singularity mm-hmm. around breaking glasses is, is a good illustration that you know what happens before doesn't really define uh, or impact it, it's completely different outcome depending on the context uh, so in that um using that example when i think about or I define stellar singularity in the book, I'm really talking about how new space and space exploration represents that, a singularity for us as a civilization. Uh, it represents, the, you know, the movement of how we're living, working, engaging with technology, and it's shifting that into this entirely new context, which requires different rules, which requires different ways of working. And we have to really understand that It is a singularity it requires a different frame of reference to navigate Um, it's not just you know taking. Things and paradigms or ways we've lived and operated on earth and translating that into this you know uh, different geographical landscape. Um, You you can't really drive like you do in New York in Spain, you have to operate differently, you need a different language, (laughs) so I see stellar singularity as really representing that shift for all of us.
0: I'm talking with Elizabeth Varkeys, author of the new book Stellar Singularity: Navigating the Spacefaring Economy on the Xterra podcast. Take a moment right now and click subscribe so you don't miss an episode of the podcast. Or if you're watching on YouTube, any of the videos from Xterra, the Journal of Space Commerce. Now, Elizabeth, you, you talk about the need for an interstellar Magna Carta. Now, what do you mean by that?
1: So the, you know, the, the Magna Carta, as um, many of us uh, who may remember our history from school, mm-hmm. uh, was, really you know, drafted by English barons in the 13th century, right? So, uh, and someone was really to curtail uh, the excesses of, uh, of what the king was doing at that point. But it laid out some very important principles, which have, uh, you know, been the foundation and really influenced how modern society has thought about democratic aspiration, it's thought about constitutional rights, it's thought about you know the balance of power, right? So the Magna Carta provided some very interesting considerations. Um, and and again maybe not new but really the, the documented considerations that we can still you know read and look at today um, when i when i talk about an interstellar magna carta you know i'm not talking about um, you know having a, uh, an agreement with hypothetical civilizations um, right. but it's really more magna carta among ourselves as inhabitors of our planet uh, across countries across transnational corporations across private enterprise uh, a way for us to really agree on principles of operating in this new economy in this stellar singularity so um I, I'm, and i'm making the suggestion that we as a, as a global community that works in in the new space arena really thinks about what are the key principles that need to guide our agreements, need to guide, you know, what, you know, United Nations uh, Office of Outer Space does, uh, what we do with the different treaties, Um, we need some guiding principles that we need to agree on, um, not individually, and not just by, you know, a few countries, but really across the board, because inclusivity is also what, you know, made the Magna Carta work, everyone was united Mm -hmm. in that ask. And, you know, we need some of those considerations in how we look at things as well. Um, and you
0: know, I, I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you, you can finish your thought, please.
1: Um, So I I did lay out some principles, which I think are, you know, a starting point really for dialogue and discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we've we've seen some of that happening, uh, even with how we've laid out principles for ethical, artificial intelligence. And, uh, you know, we need something similar for new space. We have to understand that, you know, space is a global commons. We have to understand sentience better. We have to understand, um, you know, the the implications of not bringing along large uh, swaths of Population, when we, uh, you know, we uh, uh, experience the benefits of technology and um, space exploration. So I've laid out some principles, and you know, again, a starting point. uh, But for us to really think about, you know, what could be a good interstellar magna Carta we could work off
0: you know you mentioned transnational and and you also talk about interstellar corporations as well as interstellar remote work which we've we've all kind of gotten used to remote work i guess yeah. but what do what do you mean by those those kinds of terms the transnational and and interstellar corporations and interstellar remote work sure
1: um so I'll take I'll take a step back for a second here. Yeah, You're know, just to, before we look at some of those definitions of what we mean by TNCs, which is a term the United Nations has used, um, really to talk about you know companies or entities that operate across national boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when you think about the population of our world we've crossed um 8 million now right in november we we crossed that mark mm-hmm. um india uh, alone is over you know it's, it's 1.5 billion over 1.5 billion now so we have a, a very sizable population across the world that's growing rapidly the united nations is estimating that by 2050 from you know 8 billion, we're going to be well over 9.7 billion. So we're Mm. going to grow dramatically. Now, when you think about this population that we have, um, about 1.4 billion is is in Africa, and about 4.7 billion is in Asia. Now in Africa, um, about 86% of the population, about 1.2 billion people are really in the informal economy. And in Asia, that's about 68%. So we're talking about, about you know, three, over 3 billion people in Asia. So we're basically saying that you know off this massive population we have on the planet, there's a significant chunk of people who are in the informal economy. They're not participating as much in the formal economy. They're not participating as much in using technology to you know improve their lives or their businesses there you know lots of people are foraging there you know we have uh, subsistence farming still happening in india and asia and africa yeah. so we you know we're seeing this um, tremendous growth um, we're also seeing this big disparity in how people are engaging and operating in the global economy so that's you know just another data point to keep in mind now the third thing that you know we kind of need to remember is that when we think about the tremendous growth we're going to experience as a as a you know earthbound population uh you know i I talked about how we're going to go from 8 billion to 9.7 billion right Mm -hmm. in the next 20 30 years Um, the united nations estimates that 50 percent of this growth uh, you know from eight to nine that we're going to experience is going to come from eight countries. Um, and just as eight countries are going to contribute to 50% of the population growth. There are countries like India, the Philippines, Pakistan, uh, Egypt, the Congo, Nigeria, Tanzania, etc. So there's eight countries. And what we need to you know, keep in mind, this is the context for our spacefaring economy. Right. We have an earthbound population that's growing rapidly, but it's also growing in, in, in very different ways, both in terms of the number of people and also in terms of how they're participating in the economy. So that's the, the landscape that we should not forget. Now, coming to transnational corporations and you know what we um what we're seeing happen with transnational corporations. Now Transactional corporations. As I said, you know, companies like Apple, like Microsoft, right, or Walmart. These are the companies you and I engage with. I've right. Apple earpods on, um, <laughs> Shell, all of them. Now, most of these corporations are richer than and more powerful than many nations. Um, now, wh- about one hundred and fifty-seven of the world's two hundred wealthiest entities. So, if you just kind of, you know, said, okay, who's who? Are the top two hundred wealthiest organizations or entities. Mm Of the 200, 157 are actually companies, they're corporations, they're not governments. And if you say, okay, let's just look at the top 100, right, of those 69 of the top 100 are corporations, they're not countries. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if you take something, somebody like Apple, um, you you and I both talked about just now, uh, you know, Apple has a valuation of about 2 trillion, over 2 trillion in 2021. Right. That makes it larger than 96% of all the world's economies measured by GDP. Only seven countries on our planet have a larger economy than Apple. So corporations and transnational corporations are, they're real players. We don't always right. think about that, right? And from, a, from a power equation or from a resource equation, they are significant participants in our global economy maybe not as visible, and they're going to be significant participants in the new space economy. So it's really important for us to understand this, you know, um, this intersection of how our global community operates and how TNCs actually, um, you know, are, are part of the the solution or the problem in some right. cases.
0: <laughs> and, and maybe most importantly, Elizabeth, you talk about leadership. So what do you see as, as fundamental for spacefaring leadership?
1: so i write about you know four different uh, aspects of stellar leadership and you know those are really you know true competence integrity mm. clarity and empathy so i talk about those four principles again uh, not really revolutionary right i mean those are things we all acknowledge leaders need right i think the most important one that you know we, we really should start um um, is is around integrity, and what we you know what we're observing globally is that there is a a shift in the narrative around what constitutes integrity, what constitutes the rule of law. Uh, right, there are many different actors and players, and their ability to impact others, uh, you know, it has is, is moved beyond the traditional methods of. You know, war or espionage, right? Cyber hackers can take down an economy. You know, the hackers were able to hack into uh, NASA's satellite dish network in 2019, mm-hmm. steal Mars mission data. Uh, we're seeing that, you know, based on um, Freedom House's um, Freedom House Project's 2021 Freedom in the World assessment, um, there was a sharp decline in the in in global, you know, democracy. Less than one fifth of our Global population live in truly free countries, right? So we're seeing some of these tremendous shifts around uh, what's happening in our in the, in the global landscape, and uh, having true integrity in leadership, defining what that really means from a standards perspective. As we you know, we look at leaders of transnational corporations or leaders of uh, public agencies. Or leaders of nation states is is really really important because uh, that has implications not just on the country or the entity, but on this you know on, on all of us right. So that's um, so I talk about that um, quite a bit. Um, the other you know the other aspects are you know we. Uh, just touch upon clarity for a second. Uh, we are moving into stellar singularity, whether we like it or not. Right. Uh, and the waters are muddy. You know, the, the <laughs> telescopic images uh, have latency. Uh, we don't really know what we don't know. or We're acknowledging that more actively now. Um, so it's really important as we navigate to have clarity around, you know, our objectives, around our principles, a clarity around how we will solve problems, how we will engage, how we will handle conflict. So some of those things are really important important for, so, you know, you, lead, you need leaders who want to understand all of that because they have true competence uh, and they have integrity, but then can use that to really forge clarity of purpose of, of a path going forward. Uh, but all of that really has to be anchored with true empathy because, you know, if you have leaders who don't really get it, who uh, or, or make, you know, understand the intellectual argument, they understand the intellectual proposition, but don't really, um, acknowledge or take as much time for the human component um, you know it, it falls by the lay side by the wayside. so even as we advocate for integrity and competence and clarity, um, empathy is really going to become one of the most important traits, especially as we work remotely across distances um, and, and across um, planets someday.
0: Well, I hope we haven't given away too much. When is your book available and how can people get a hold of it?
1: Yeah, so the book is available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. The paperback will be out in a couple of days, um, and you should be available both on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Uh, so yes, would you know love to have folks read, provide feedback, review the book, and uh, really use it as a starting point to understand this spacefaring economy we're all part of, whether we uh, know it fully or not.
0: And we'll include a link uh, on, on Xterra as well to that uh, to that Amazon copy. So, Elizabeth, one thing more, and we do this with all of our guests, to ask you to look out, if you would, over the next 10 to 15 years or so in space commerce, and tell us what your crystal ball tells you.
1: That's a really good question. Um, what I see happening in the next um, 10 years is, you know, first on planet Earth itself, we're going to see an integration of commerce and business with space. So you know what I mentioned, like every company will be a space company, we're going to see that become much more real, we're going to see much more, you know, regulatory conversations around that, that's going to happen. Um, We're going to see that become more visible, we're going to see the barriers dissolve between brick and mortar or, you know, earthbound companies in space, like we did with the internet world. So I think that barrier will become, you know, Permeable, it'll it'll cease to exist. So that's the the first thing that I'm you know um, very, very likely to expect. Um, I think we're also going to see uh, a lot more crude missions, uh, you know out as we know, NASA has a plan, you know, China has a plan, Uh, many more countries are going to be sending out crewed missions, we are going to see lunar bases, again, all of this is true, right? So none of this is, again, new news. Uh, But as an outcome of all of that, we are going to see uh, differences in how, you know, conflict emerges, Um, we are going to see uh, a greater need for dialogue and in some ways we, we are going to see a greater polarization um that we will have to navigate around so i think that's going to be a geopolitical reality just coming from the fact that you know we will be um, having more people um out in, in, you know in 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 orbit um, e- eventually i think you know we, we are going to see um more practical applications of commerce and technology that you know would transform what we're seeing here on earth whether it's you know mining of um, you know substances on the moon or asteroids many of those things are going to become reality and my fervent hope is that um, all those benefits that we tap into uh, are really harnessed for the for the good of you know uh, the entire global community and we actively work to ensure that um, our silos of privilege or uh, access do not continue to grow, which is you know, quite possible given the pace at which we're moving forward.
0: Elizabeth, it's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me uh, on your podcast, Sam, and uh, really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Elizabeth Varghese is the author of the new book, Stellar Singularity, Navigating the Spacefaring Economy. That's going to do it for this edition of the XTERRA Podcast. Check out our YouTube channel and be sure to click on subscribe so you can stay up to date on developments in space commerce and be notified when we post new videos. You can also get daily space commerce news at XTERRAJSC.com. And one thing more, be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at XTERRAJSC. Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for joining us.